Let's pray with the word then. Father, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, you're the one who wrote it. You're the one who knows what it all means. I ask you to reveal to us what you want us to know tonight from your word. Lord, we thank you. We love you. And we want tonight to gain revelation from what you have to say. And then more than that, we want to put that revelation to practice in our lives. And we want to be instrumental in changing the part of the world we live in. Lord, we ask you to show us and, and minister to us the things that we should do. God, we give you thanks and we give you honor tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, in case you didn't know it, we live in pretty uh, dangerous times. Anybody realize that? It's kind of dangerous out there sometimes. The Apostle Paul said, This know that in the last days perilous times shall come. The word perilous literally means fierce. The word is only used one other time in the New Testament, and it's used of the gathering demoniac when it says he was fierce. We live in demonic times. Do you, do you know? That's, it's demonic out there. I mean, I read a headline today that Franklin Graham said every form of demon has been released into this nation. Right. I mean, it, it, we live in, in a perilous time. I mean, I've never remembered it being this fierce. And I never remember, I, I would have never dreamed uh, as a younger man that, that there would be attacks on Supreme Court justices at their homes and that, that uh, law enforcement would be okay with that. And, uh, the FBI and, and, and those people would not do anything about it, that, that there would be uh, attacks on, on pro-life uh, facilities and nothing would ever be done about that and that people would be praying at abortion clinics on the other side of the street and be arrested and be put on trial and that if you would just use the wrong, well, the right pronoun that was right and has been right for centuries and all of a sudden somebody doesn't agree with that pronoun, that all of a sudden the fierceness that comes through, the manifestation of anger and, and, and the hatred for God and the hatred for God's people, I mean, those, I've never seen it like that before. I mean, it, it's just unbelievable how it is that right is wrong and, and wrong is right. And, and the Bible, of course, prophesied all of it. And we all thought, I believe, we all thought it'd be a, some other generation besides ours. But all of a sudden it came. And when the, little, when the little dam got the hole in it, it just sprung a huge leak and it's flooded. The scripture says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, this is what the Lord said, when the enemy comes in like a flood, actually he said, when the enemy comes in like a flood. I will raise a standard against him. The standard of God, it's time for the standard of God to be raised like a flood so it can overwhelm the evil. And so we have to begin to look at, at what is the answer to that. I mean, the enemy we fight is not flesh and blood. It's not the Democrats. It's not the people that don't, that don't go to church. The enemy is not flesh and blood. They're demonic forces that are just using flesh and blood. So how are they doing that? They're manipulating people's thoughts, manipulating what they think, making them think that God didn't make them right and that they need to make some changes because God somehow made a mistake and that their identity is, is, not, is not in what God said, but they've been convinced that it's something else. The, the, the thinking is wrong. They're not flesh and blood. Let me read this passage of Scripture. I've read it before. 
maybe the last several times we've been together, I can't remember. When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? I'm telling you, if you ask that question today, you might get all kinds of profane answers because of just the fierceness of the times we live in. And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? What an important question. And Simon Peter, Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Basically, he said, You are Messiah. And that's what he was talking about. And Jesus answered and said to him, By the way, Peter got lots of things wrong, but he got that one right. Okay, he got that one exactly right. And Jesus said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, or Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it to thee. So this isn't a flesh and blood thing either, but my Father which is in heaven. This is a revelation that Peter got from the Father. And I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, which means little stone, and upon this rock, giant boulder, I will build my church. So the giant boulder is the revelation that Jesus got, I mean, that, that Peter got. He got this revelation. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I think the church has forgotten that part of the verse. The gates of hell should not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then we move to Matthew eighteen eighteen, and Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now listen to how it says it. Whatever you bind on earth will be loosed in heaven. There are translations that say it this way. Whatever you bind on earth will be that which is already bound in heaven. But that is not what it says in the Greek. It says it exactly like this. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. One translation that's good says whatever you allow on earth will be allowed in heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Now hopefully in the next few weeks we'll talk about what does that even mean. How can we bind or loose something that's in heaven? That would be an interesting thought, wouldn't it? You might think about it. It's not that complicated, by the way. If I'm going to teach it, there's nothing very complicated if I'm going to teach it. And so, 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 so there, is this, there is this ministry that we have, and Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What is it? Let me read you the verse. Let me read it again. And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is it. That's what he's saying. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Where are the gates of hell? Are they just like right outside the church? No. no. Well, some churches maybe. But they're, they're, the gates of hell shouldn't be at the church door. The church should have to be doing something to get to the gates of hell, right? That's what that's just talking about. They will not, they will not do it. They, they can't do that. The, Jesus gave the church then, he says, he says, and I will give unto thee, talking about the church, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, what is a key? A key either unlocks and, and, and lets things in or lets things out. A key represents authority. A key represents control. All right? So he said, he said, the gates of hell won't prevail against the church, and I'm going to give you the keys, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. 
That's a, that's a lot of power, don't you think? Jesus said, I'm giving this to the church so that they can bind and they loose. And with those keys, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Sounds to me like the church ought to be binding and loosing. And understand what they're talking about when they're binding and loosing. One time, my daughter was giving my son, she was older than him, still is, and she was giving him a hard time. And Ryan says to Tiffany, I bind you, Stephanie, in Jesus' name. Well, he had the concept that we have the right to bind. Well, she stopped. I'm just going to say, she just went, she went, what? But she bound him in Jesus' name. Because as, I mean, I don't know how old they were. They were just little kids. And he stopped it. I mean, it was stopped right then. By the way, this isn't talking about binding people's will because you can't do that. Just, we may talk about that later also. All right. So Jesus gave the church the ministry of binding and loosing. How much do we even understand about that? All right. We need to understand our assignment, and it's, a, it's, an, it's an assignment to wage spiritual warfare, and that would include binding and loosing. Binding and loosing. Jesus also said in Matthew chapter 12, He said, Or how else can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man then he will spoil his house. Now, he's still talking about spiritual warfare here. And he's saying that you can't, you can't go into the strong man's house and get his stuff unless you first bind him. He, binding. He's talking about binding something and loosing the stuff. He's talking about this very same ministry. Okay, so we need to understand who is the strong man and what is his house. So who's the strong man? Well, it's the devil. I'll just give that one to you. He's talking about the enemy being Satan and his crew. He's talking about that, that, that we have the authority to bind him so that we can spoil his house. What is his house? His house is the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of hell, we could say. Now, I'm not talking about those who have already died and gone to hell. I'm talking about those who are held captive today while they're alive by the kingdom of hell. People who can't get free, people who are contemplating suicide, people who don't know who they are, people who, who are constantly in turmoil and hate and anger and, and all those things. People who need Jesus so they can get out of hell and get into the kingdom of heaven. All right? He's saying that we have to be able to bind the strong man who's holding them captive. Isaiah describes the devil and describes him as one who does not want to release the captives. Jesus came in Luke chapter 4 and he said that I've come, he talked about different things, why he was anointed. And one of those is to loose or give freedom to the captives, to loose captives. In order to loose them, we must bind the strong man. All right, so people that are chained and, and, and they can't get free. All right, so we must know how to bind him. We've got to understand that and what we're supposed to do and how to loose those captives. Let's just, let's just say this. There is no reason for anyone in this room to be afraid of the devil. Is that, is that fair? I mean, he does not have the ability to control us unless we give it to him. 
through fear or through whatever else may come along, he does not have the right to tell us, he can tell us all he wants to, but he does not have the right to demand that our will be subjugated to him unless we surrender it to him ourselves. He didn't have the right to subjugate Adam and Eve to him until they voluntarily, voluntarily gave it to him. All right? So he doesn't have that power. All right? he, he, can't, he can't do that. All right? So this fight that we're talking about is first and foremost in the spirit. And this is kind of where we've missed it a lot, is that the fight must occur in the spirit not in the public realm at first. It's got to take place in the spirit because the strong man has to be bound. Wouldn't it be awesome if the whole church would get together and agree on this thing and bind the devil? The sad thing is, much of the church doesn't believe in the devil. But if the whole church got together, we bound the strong man and now we're in a position to go in and take his stuff, which are these precious souls that he's holding captive. I'm telling you, there's a war out there, and there are people today in this world we live in. The vast, vast majority of people are going to hell because the church isn't doing its job. Because we're afraid of the negative press. We're afraid because church people in general, not you, in general, church people go to church to either fulfill the religious obligation or two, to be told they're okay. We understand they're not okay without Jesus. There has to be a different mindset. I mean, we need to recognize, so first of all, the warfare is in the spirit and then we need the wisdom of God to know how to respond to what is happening around us. And what's happening right now is there's not a lot of wisdom going on and the church is spending its time yelling at people. No, it doesn't work. I told this story two weeks, the last two weeks ago with the other group. We, Tammy and I were shopping one day. We lived in Dumas at the time and we were shopping at the United Supermarket in Dumas, Texas. We walk in and there's a lady at the front door and she's giving away free samples of something. I don't even know what it was. We didn't take one. I, I, we might have. I don't know. Anyway, so right after us, this young couple came in. They're much younger than we are. They happen to be Hispanic, and they did not speak English. Okay? And so the lady looks at this young couple, and she says, I'm giving away free samples. Would you like one? And they said, no, no, no. They didn't know what she was talking about, but they said, no, no, no. And so the lady says, no, no. I'm giving away free samples, free, free samples. Would you like one? Now their eyes are getting big because people are starting to look over there. And, and, and they, they said, no, no, no. Well, then she got louder than that. I'm giving away free samples and they're free. You could have one. I mean, instead of saying gratis or something they could understand, she just said the same thing louder. They didn't understand the language, and she just said it louder. They were so embarrassed that they just ducked their heads and went down an aisle. That is what the church is doing to people who don't know our language, don't know our king. We're yelling at them in a language they don't understand. 
they'll never understand until we learn how to speak properly to them. Amen. That was worth coming for right there. Instead of just yelling at people. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're going to hell. They may be wrong. They may be going to hell. But it's the goodness of God that's going to lead them to repentance. We need to learn how to fight the fight. But we have to get the plan in the spirit and let Jesus give us wisdom of how to engage the enemy. We need God to raise up godly leaders. Remember the story in the Bible of a young man named Adonijah? You probably don't remember this kid. He was the brother of Absalom, the son of David. And David got old and he was getting ready to die. Adonijah thinks, well, I probably ought to be the king. So Adonijah gets him a whole group of people. And they go to another little village out here. And they get together and they, they, they start saying, hail to the king. And they're talking about Adonijah. But David has not anointed him to be the king. Because the Lord told David to anoint Solomon to be the king. But David doesn't even know what's going on. And so Nathan the prophet hires, uh, no, no, was it Nathan? Anyway, somebody hires this woman to go to David and she has this story and she talks about, you know, her son and all these things. And, and David said, I'm going to take care of the son. Then Nathan the prophet comes in and says, no, no, this is happening to you right now. They're, they're crowned, somebody else is getting your stuff and it's not your son Solomon. And so David goes, oh, well, what do I do? And he said, crown him today. And that day, David crowned Solomon as the king, and he became the leader, and the people found the true anointed leader. They followed the leader, and all of a sudden, they came, gave out this thunderous ovation to Solomon, saying, long live the king. He's now crowned to be the king. And in the little town, they heard him in the big town say, with all that, and they said, uh-oh, what's wrong? And they said, you better get him out of here because he's not the king. We need God to raise up people today who are true men and women and champions of God instead of all of this show business that's going on in the church where people are just strutting around claiming they have this or that anointing. We had a guy come to our church one time. He was one of the best Bible teachers I'd ever heard in my life, and yet he decided he was going to be a healing evangelist because he had been to a Catherine Kuhlman meeting and decided he had the Catherine Kuhlman anointing. He didn't. He made a fool of himself. Nobody's ever heard of him today. He was actually getting pretty famous in the charismatic circles, but he made a fool of himself because he decided he'd be a healing anointing, a healing preacher, and he wasn't that. He was a teacher, which wasn't as exciting as being Catherine Kuhlman. By the way, I've seen Catherine Kuhlman also. Let me, let me, no, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. But we need for God to raise up leaders, godly men and women who are truly anointed to do what he's called them to do in this hour so the church will know what to do. But we need the wisdom of God to interact with the world and not just go out there and, and fly out half-cocked and think, well, by golly, we're just going to bind them into submission. You can't bind a human being into submission. You can bind spirits, and we may talk about that sometime, but not today. Just railing. Here's what the church does today mostly. We know what's going on. We get groups like this and we gripe about it. We rail against the flesh and blood that's out there. We complain about it. And can I tell you something? That's not what we need. 
We need to be binding and loosing them some things in the spirit. To emotionally engage the devil and evil spirits with no power is a waste of time. You know, we can stand and we, we bind you, devil, and we can march around. But if we have no real power, because we've not spent time with him, nothing's going to happen. We need, we need to make sure, number one, that we fight in the spirit, that we get wisdom. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom. It lists some other things here, but Jesus is made unto us wisdom. Listen to this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the next chapter. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom of God, which hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Listen, those demons today are so sorry that they crucified the Lord of glory. Because they know that when the church gets hold of its mandate and know what it's supposed to do, they are in trouble. And when you and I grab hold of this thing, they're going to begin to back up from us and we're going to be able to dominate the way that Jesus intends for us to dominate. They would have never done that. I mean, they were stupid enough to think that Jesus was going to stay dead. I mean, even though the whole Old Testament prophesies that he's not, they never got the message. And when Jesus was down there and, and, and the Lord said, You are my beloved son. This day I have begotten thee. And Jesus came out of there. He made a stop. And he tells us in the book of Revelation, he said, I am he that liveth and was dead, and I have the keys of hell and of death. And he came out, he stopped and said, The keys. He took the keys of hell and death because Satan, until that time, was in charge of death. But now no longer is he in charge of hell or death. And now he's roaming out throughout the earth saying, where are my keys? Where are my keys? he He no longer has the key to hell. We have the key to heaven and we can now invade his place because he doesn't even have the key to lock it up. I don't know how I got off on that. But... It goes on to say, but as, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. What things? The wisdom of God. But God hath revealed them to us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So here we know that there are these, this wisdom of God that God is, going to, is revealing it to us. And let me give you a little secret here. Down in verse... Verse 12, it says, Now we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things, now listen to this, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. What words does the Holy Ghost teach you, do you think? You know what they are. When you're praying in the Spirit, the Holy Ghost is giving you the words, isn't He? 
because it comes from deep in your spirit. The scripture here is saying what you're doing is you are praying those things that God, that nobody's seen or heard or know about. It is the wisdom of God. It is the secret plan of God. It comes to you in code so the devil cannot hear, understand what it is, so that we can now take his house and spoil. The wisdom of God comes because Jesus has been made wisdom, but it comes to us as the Holy Spirit prays through us, and we're praying the wisdom of God when you pray in tongues. Why would Christians not pray in the Spirit? I, I, I can't figure this one out. We ought to be praying in the Spirit because that is, is the plan of God and then the Holy Spirit when you have spoken it aloud you have just prophesied the plan of God and then he gives you revelation and interpretation of what you said maybe not that day but at some point now, in, now this is the fight right here we're talking about taking back a nation the authority to bind and loose are keys of the kingdom, but they can only be used by the people who have them, who will use them. It doesn't do you any good to try to use the to, to try to, 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 to command the door to be open. If you got the key in your hand, you can unlock it and just go in. We have authority. God has given to us. And it's not just for preachers. It's for the church. It's for all of us. The keys must be used scripturally. We've been assigned the keys. Jesus has the keys, or he got them from the devil. And I quoted you that from Revelation 1.18, that he said, I have the keys of hell and death. In Matthew 24, verse 18, Jesus says, and Jesus came and spake to them. He's, he's risen from the dead now. He said, all power in heaven. And he said, he, he said, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. The next phrase is, go ye therefore. Jesus said, I have all the power because he has the keys. And then he said, now you go. He would not send us, he wouldn't send us to go if we did not have the authority to go. When he sent the apostles out, remember, they went out two by two. And he said, I give you authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick to raise the dead. He gave them the authority to do it. So 12 of them went out. They came back. You know what they did? They cast out demons. They healed the sick. They raised the dead. Then 70 people. He sent them out. Plus the 12. They went out. So he got 82 people going out and they're doing the very same thing. He gave them authority to do it. Here in Matthew chapter 24, I mean chapter 28, he gives that very same authority to the church. We all have that same power. Listen to Mark chapter 16. And he said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. It says that in the King James. It really means demons. We're talking about disembodied spirits of evil. He said, in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Jesus here gives the church the authority to go out and move the devil out of the way. He says, the next phrase says, they shall take up serpents. 
bad translation. It literally says they shall remove serpents. We're not, we're not in the deal where we're going to start playing with snakes. That's not what that script. There are people who do it. I lived in Kentucky. I know. And they do have churches and they do have the snakes and they do play with them and they get bit. You know, but some of them have been bit so many times they're immune. I don't know how that works. That's not what he's talking about. He's talk, talking about playing with snakes. He's talking about removing snakes. He's talking about demons. He's talking about evil spirits. Talking about the devil. Removing snakes. They'll take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. He's talking about in the course of preaching the gospel, in the course of fulfilling our assignment, if somebody tries to poison us, it won't hurt us. He's not talking about putting poison in a bunch of cups on the table and one of them's you know, one of them has poison, the rest of them are okay, and, if you, and see if you have faith to drink them all. That's not what it's about. He's talking about doing the gospel. Then I love what it says. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. These are things believers do. These are things that should be being done. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, sat on the right hand of God. I love this next verse. Last, the last, verse 20 says, And they went forth and preached everywhere. Now here's what it says in the King James. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. The word them in the, is not in the original language. It's in italics in King James. So it's not there. He says, And the Lord working with and confirming the word with signs following. God will always work with and confirm the word. So he's talking about what we do. I mean, we're to go. Jesus sent the church. He said, go ye into all the world. He's talking about? He's talking about us. He said, believers will cast out demons. Who's that? Who's going to cast them out? Believers are going to do that. And we're believers, right? So we're the ones who are to go. We're the ones to cast out demons. We're the ones who lay hands on the sick. Let me tell you what a wasted prayer is. And this is a wasted prayer. If we go, oh God, please do something about the devil in politics. You just wasted your prayer right there. Oh, God, please make the devil quit harassing me. The Apostle Paul prayed that prayer three times. And it didn't work for him either. He said, I asked three times because it was a harassing spirit. That was his thorn in the flesh. It didn't work for him. Do you know something? The Bible not one time teaches you that Jesus will resist the devil for you? Not one time does the Bible say that Jesus will cast out the devil for you. Scripture says, resist the devil and he will flee from Jesus. No, from you. From you. We resist the devil. He flees from us. I understand it's the Jesus in us. But we are the ones who are supposed to be resisting the devil. We are the ones who are supposed to be laying hands on the sick. We are the ones who have now been commissioned with the ministry of binding and loosing. Our job is to do what Jesus told us to do. In this good news so far, what that means then is we can do it. We would never be commissioned to do a job that we cannot do. The devil is afraid of you if you understand it. I think next time we get together, I'm going to read you a scripture that talks about in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, where it says, and an angel came and bound Satan. One angel. He bound him with a chain. One angel. He ain't all that. 
He for sure is not what he used to be because he had the keys of hell and death and Jesus took them away. We have authority in the earth. Psalm 115, verse 18, I believe it says that the heaven of heavens is governed by God, but he gave the earth for men to rule. God gave it to man. You and I have authority in the earth. Jesus came as a sinless, guiltless man, gave his life away for you and for me, for all mankind, because Adam and Eve gave away the authority, gave the earth away, but Jesus came, and through his sinless sacrifice, he regained the earth for us. And it's our job to do what he told us to do. It's our job to claim our city, to claim our neighborhood, to claim our nation for God. And the fight begins in the spirit. We must be armed with God's weaponry if we're going to defeat the devil. We're going to have to do it God's way and not the way that makes sense to our brain. Our brain thinks it makes sense to yell at people, doesn't it? Our brain thinks that if we could just tell them enough times that they would believe it. Can I tell you? They're hearing the opposite more times than we're telling them anyway. The media is on the side of evil these days. Not all of it, but much of it. Most of it, I would dare say. We, it's not for us just to yell louder. It's for us to find out what is Jesus telling us to do and doing that very thing. We can't defeat spiritual foes with carnal weapons. I used to think that the biggest problem with Christians was that they were ignorant. I'm not saying that negatively, but the scripture says that, that through their lack of knowledge, they were destroyed. They were, they were taken captive through a lack of knowledge. In fact, Paul said, I would not have you ignorant, brethren. No, that's what he said. He said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. We need to understand that, that, that it's not the ignorance. It's the will of people, what they want to do. People know stuff, but many of them just don't want to do that. So we must find out how to defeat the enemy, which is not the people, it is the devil. I mean, he will not be defeated by my willpower. He's been around a long time. Well, at least since Adam and Eve, right? Willpower is going to do it. We better find spiritual weapons to fight with. The, the devil doesn't bow to my emotions. I mean, if you ever just, please leave me alone. It, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Oh, God, please make him go away. It doesn't work. That doesn't work. We've got to use the weapons that God gives, or he just comes right back time and again. The only offensive weapon in Ephesians chapter 6, when it talks about the armor of God, is what? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I mean, there's a weapon that you can use. We need to know how to use that weapon. You cannot ever use a weapon effectively unless you're familiar with it. If we're going to defeat the devil in our lives, in our circumstances, in our nation, we must learn how to use the weapon of the Word. We must learn how to pray in the Spirit and do the things we're supposed to do. We must know the Word. In order to use the Word, you've got to know the Word. Because if you don't know it, you can't use it. Amen. To have a half a verse somewhere is not enough. You better figure, we've got to find out, what does the Bible say? 
I mean, I, I knew the guy that his, his whole philosophy in life was he would just every day close his eyes, open the Bible, and point and find a verse. And that would be his verse for the day. So one day he opened it, pointed, and it said, Judas went and hanged himself. And he thought, oh, that's not a very good one. So he tried it again. He said, go thou and do likewise. And so we need to find out what does the Bible say? What does the scripture really talk about? We've we got to be able to use it. Unfortunately, that's what I realized. The devil knows the word better than some Christians. So we need to figure it out. When Jesus went to the Mount of Temptation, how did he overcome the temptation? With his willpower? No. He took with him the sword of the Spirit, and when he was tempted, he spoke out loud the word of God at every temptation. Every time he was tempted, he spoke the word. The devil tried to throw him off because the devil said, now the Bible says. And he told Jesus what the Bible says, but the good news is Jesus knew more than one verse. And he took the right verse in context to get rid of him. We must become skillful, skillful in the word of righteousness by moving past the elemental truths into the meat of God's word. Find out what it says. What does the Bible even talk about? I mean, there's more to the Word than just the milk. The Bible says we must study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. The word dividing means to, to, to actually just cut into it. And, and, and like you do the animal when you were in, in, uh, in biology in high school, when you dissect it. And you, that word means dissect. We need to be able to dissect the Word. The word study means to give diligence. We need to give diligence to the Word. And never, never let the devil talk you out of the Bible by showing you the circumstances. Because you know what we do. We, 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 you know, well, I know what the Bible says, but this is what I feel. I know what the Bible says, but this, is, this seems to be what's going on. I know what it says, but there's no but here. I know what the Bible says, and I'm going to apply it, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to stay with it until it manifests. We got, we got to, that, that's the weapon we have. I mean, we, we get it. We need to get the Bible every day. I don't know. I think in this room we're pretty good with it, but it needs to be a daily habit that we have. Every day. We're not going to be very good soldiers if we don't take care of our weapon. Every day. Somebody said it takes 21 days to make a habit. Just do it for, at least do it for 21 days. Or 21 years. Or ever how long? Just every day. Every, you know, I mean, I'm not bragging here, but I don't know what I would do if I didn't have the Bible to start my day with, on vacation or not. I've never t I don't take a vacation from the Bible. I don't take a vacation from God. We need to have it with us every day, every day. I found out if I get a habit of the Word, habits form my character, and my character determines my destiny. I have to have the Word every day in my life. That's how I'm going to fight. That's how we're going to take the country back. I know it doesn't sound like it, but that's how it's going to happen. Because we're going to, the Holy Spirit sounds like the Bible when He talks to you. He'll sound just like that. I mean, man, it's not the big things that make or break you. It's the little things you do every single day that make your life. The little, just doing the, doing the, the right things. Your daily routine will take you to your destination. One poor decision won't ruin your life, but that one poor decision repeated daily for years will. One, one good decision, no guarantee of success, but repeated good ones 
do bring success into our lives. We need the Word. So we need to get the Word. However we get it. You know, some preachers, they want you to have the paper Bible because they love to hear the pages turn. I like to hear that too. But I haven't read a paper Bible in a long time. But if that's what it takes to get it, get it. Use the paper one. If you have an iPad or whatever, whatever tablet you use, if that's what it's on, get it every day. Get the Bible. If it's on your phone, I mean, whatever it takes, we need to get the Word every single day, all the time. Heard about a guy who several years ago said, it all started with an iPhone. He said, in March, when my son celebrated his 15th birthday, I got him an iPhone. He just loved it. Who wouldn't? I celebrated, I celebrated my birthday in July. My wife was very happy. She bought me an iPad. My daughter's birthday came in August, and I got her an iPad Touch. September came by. It was my, my wife's birthday, so I bought her an Iron. Spelled I-R-O-N. I bought her an Iron. He said, it was around then that the fight started. My wife failed to realize, to recognize that... That, that this iron can be integrated with the home network with the I wash, I cook, and I clean. This unfortunately activated the iNag app, which led me to the iHospital. And I get out Thursday. Whatever it takes, we need to get in the Word all the time. Stay in the Word. Stay in the Word and get the results of the Word. Okay, let me read this. What time is it? Can I have about five more minutes? This is John chapter 14, beginning of verse 15, then I'll skip to verse 21. This is Jesus. Now, we believe John 3, 16, right? Everybody believes that? We're going to heaven because of John. We believe that. The same person who said John 3, 16 said John 14, 15. Same one. Jesus. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. There's a big if right there. If you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 21, he said, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Now, God loves everybody, but there's a manifestation of God's love and, and presence to those who demonstrate this kind of love to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot. Now, don't you think that Judas is glad it said not Iscariot right there? I mean, he's probably thinking, thank you, Lord, Holy Spirit, that they know that it wasn't, that I'm not him. This, this disciple's name is actually Judas Thaddeus, and we mostly know him as Thaddeus, but his name is Judas Thaddeus, and in this gospel, he's called Judas, the other Judas, not Iscariot. He's always happy they call him not Iscariot. Okay? So Judas, not Iscariot, said, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself to us and not to the world? So there's a way that God will manifest himself to the church and not to the world. Jesus answered and said, this is, how, this is how, if a man loved me, again, if a man loved me, he will keep my words and my father will love him. Doesn't God love everybody? He loves the world, but he's talking about a different thing as we've already said. And we, Jesus and the father, will come unto him and make our abode with him. He won't come and live with that guy. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. Jesus intends for us to demonstrate our love. For if we're going to fight this fight, it's going to take a lot of things going on. It doesn't take perfection, flawlessness. It takes a heart that is perfect or whole. 
toward God because that's what he's looking for. Doesn't mean we're never going to make a mistake. Doesn't mean we're not ever, never going to mess up. Doesn't mean that one day we're, we're, we're going to sleep in and, and, and not have time to read the Bible. But it does mean our heart is whole for him. It's consistently whole for him. All right? He, he's looking for that. He said, our love is demonstrated by what we do with his word, by having it and keeping it. Now, eventually I'm going to show you how what this does is going to help us in this fight against the devil. Our love for him is demonstrated by what we do. The word keep means to guard, to observe, to keep the eyes on. In other words, we guard it by keeping watch over it, keeping our eyes on it, keeping it focused all the time. You know, the hardest time for me to be focused is when I'm driving down 82nd Street. When the speed limit's 45 and they're going 39. I have to put my focus on the Word. I'm always going someplace and I want to get there. I don't run late normally, but I need to get there anyway. That's not an excuse. That's just where I am. But I have to, I have to guard it. I have to keep it. Have to keep it in focus, he says, and you have to have it. He he, he talked about that we that that we 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 will have the word, we will we will keep it and we will have it. The word have here means to have, to hold, to own or possess. In other words, the word has to be mine. I have to make it personal. I don't read the Bible so that I can get a sermon for you. I don't read the Bible so I can tell Tammy what to do. I read the Bible for me. It's for me. I mean, I can't tell, and you're probably the same way I am. I can't tell you when I read the Bible most mornings and I run across a scripture and I get tears in my eyes because I know it's for me. It's for me. We have to guard it. We have to own it. Jesus makes it clear that our love for him is more than just saying, I love you. People say, well, one day this lady was in all kinds of trouble. Her son was going to jail. She was a mess and she said, but I love the Lord. And I wanted to say, I didn't say it because I was trying to minister. And I, said, I wanted to say, really? How do you know? How do you know if you love the Lord? Remember when Jesus said, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And he talks about some other things. And he says, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a wise man which built his house upon a rock. It's the doing of the word that makes the difference. It's doing what the Bible says. It's doing it. The doing of what God said is the proof of our love for him. Just doing it. That's what Jesus said. I mean, remember, he, he, he asked Peter in, in John 21, do you love me? Remember Peter Jesus said, do you agape me? Peter said, yes, I phileo you. There are different Greek words for love here. Agape is the God kind of love, the kind of love that loves no matter what, that will do whatever it takes. Phileo is basically the kind of love that says, I love you for what you can do for me. I love you if you love me. It's a whole different word in the Greek language. He, Peter says, well, yeah, I phileo you. And so Jesus, what did he say? Here's the proof. Feed my sheep. He gave him an assignment that would demonstrate the love. They walk a little further and Jesus says, do you love me? Do you agape me? And Peter said, 
Yes, I phileo you. He gave him the assignment, feed my lambs. Go a little further. Now, this time Jesus gets on Peter's level. And he says, do you phileo me? In other words, I'll take what I can get right here. <laughs> That's all I'm going to get. That's what I'm going to get. And Peter said, instead of his arrogant, like before when he said, Lord, they're not going to kill you. I'll die before I let all that stuff. This time he was very humble. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know I phileo you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. The proof of his love was in the doing of what he said. And then Peter tried to change the subject. Turns around, looks at John and says, what about him? Well, I know he don't love you as much as I do. And yet John's the one who said, he loves me. And Jesus said, that is none of your business. That's my paraphrase. But it's keeping the word. It's having it and keeping it. When Jesus, when Jesus turned the water into wine, Mary said to the servants, she said, whatever he says, do it. Remember that story? The result was they made the wine and the end of that scripture says he revealed himself to his disciples and he manifested his glory. Manifested his glory. That's what we want. We want the manifest glory of God. In verse 14, we read in John, in John 14, we read that he would manifest himself to those who have and keep the word. The manifestation of the Lord comes as we do what he says. The word manifest means to make clearly visible, to make known. We need to learn how to keep what he said. We need to learn how to begin to think the right way so we can hear what he has to say so that we can truly, truly follow him in his wisdom and we can be people who can effect change in the society in which we live. That's what we're after, right? Affect a real change. We'll talk more about this next week. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, tonight, my prayer is that you show us exactly what you want us to know. Lord, you will teach us to hear and obey your word. We would rather be yours than the world's we want to hear. We need your wisdom. We need the power of your spirit in our lives. We thank you for, for a move of God that will change our nation, change our city, change what's going on around us. Lord, in our own little worlds that we live, that we can be change makers for your glory. Father, tonight we thank you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.